Boss! 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 Welcome back to your re- to recap from the Ralphie Report, which is a Colorado Buffalo site. Focus on directly reporting on the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, and the reason I sound, I guess, so disjointed is because yesterday was a disjointed day for everyone involved. I'm Jack Barsh, a writer on the Ralphie Report, um, and one of the co-hosts of the At The Buzzer podcast, which is what you're listening to right now. The other co-host is, um, once again, our foreign correspondent, Sam. Hello again. Um, nice, nice intro. Almost as disjointed as the football game we just saw. I appreciate your commitment to the bit. Um, also, I am supposed to be a former contributor, but it sounds like I have to fucking come back to the staff this coming week because we're losing a writer and I have to fill in some Scoop. gaps while we find someone else. <laughs> so that's Scooping a, our own site, maybe. <laughs> we're scooping. Scooping our own site. Well, I mean, like as of Monday. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, I mean, we're glad to have you back. Um and this is not part of your duties. It's just something we do. Um, mm-hmm. D. <laughs> and yesterday was just boy howdy. Um, what a what a weird feeling. We're gonna talk through a lot of stuff. In case you've been living under a rock, see you yesterday. We're saying yesterday because we're recording on Sunday morning. Um, see you play the number five team in the country, the Texas A and M Aggies, yesterday on Saturday, and um, they played that in Denver. And um, the final score was 10 to 7, Texas A&M. And that's, that's the only thing we'll give you before we go into everything else. Um, also, we had to record this on Sunday morning, uh, partially for us to process, um, and partially because I <laughs> could not watch uh, a little bit of the second half because uh, I-25 goddamn closed going southbound from Fort Collins to Colorado, uh, Denver yesterday. So I was stuck in my car for about was six that- hours. And you were from North or Fort Collins, right? Was that related to the car crash that is CSU football, or was it something else? <laughs> oh man, no! I think that one actually has somehow more fatalities involved. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, this this one I don't think luckily had any fatalities. I don't know um, before I make off color jokes, but it was yeah. There was a crash on Thornton <laughs> Parkway under the overpass. Um, and I, I was maybe half a mile away from Thornton Parkway and the crash happened. So everything ground to a halt. And uh, for the next three, three and a half hours, that was my home. I did not move an inch for the next half mile. Um, so I got to despair scroll through the score tracker. Um, though I already kind of knew what was going on in, in the fourth quarter. And then I got to watch uh, the end of... El Asico, like uh, Iowa, Iowa State, on my phone, and then I got to watch maybe the worst offense of the country in Washington. And I say that after I watched a lot of CU yesterday. Yeah, the worst offense of the country many, in Washington. So in those three and a half hours, um, how many total yards do you think you went? <laughs> Me as a person, I would guess I went maybe 150 total yards. 150 total yards. Well. I think I watched less, Colorado, honestly. I think I watched less the, between those three games. The Colorado Buffaloes, 260 total yards. How many of those were in the second half? Like 70? I don't they, have the exact no, they had they had 43 yards in the second half. 
43 yards in the second half. Yes. Oh boy. Um, okay, so hold on. Let's let's stick to our script here. So I know. Before we I, go I into the second half, let's talk about um, the the brief preamble to the game, what we thought going into the game, what we thought was going to happen. Yeah. I thought, well, the line opened that Texas AM is 17 point favorites. Mm-hmm. My first thought was take the Aggies. Yep. Number five team in the country. They have a great defense, obviously, yep. we saw. Um they're always good offensively. I don't know. It's just like they're just they just have a lot of talent all around. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anything about them per se. I didn't know who A Chain was before this game. Ah, yes. Uh, but I'm not really a football writer, so it doesn't make a difference to me. I do know that they're a good team <laughs> and that CU typically loses by more than 17 when they play a top five team. I would have been perfectly fine with CU maybe making it relatively interesting, mm-hmm. making it a two-score game. I would have been happy with a 15, like a 14-point loss. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's honestly, just, despite you saying you don't know anything, that's probably pretty in line with what the public thought. If we're talking gambling, my two, my two things were don't bet a side on this game because I have no idea. Um, if you are going to bet on the A&M side. And then if there's going to be one thing to take on this game, take the under because I don't think CU will score. That was basically my expectations going into the game. Um, I said this on, on the Texas radio spot I did earlier this year. Texas A&M is kind of what CU is building towards it under Carl Durrell. So I, I had no expectations. I thought it was going to be basically a flip of the UNC game where they went 35-7, but they're disappointed in that 35-7 because they're like, you know, what were we doing? Mm-hmm. CU stops the run better than they thought, blah, blah, blah. A&M is what we're trying to be, like I said, in a few years. They have – so much size up front on both sides. They have ridiculous um, commitment to winning the line of scrimmage, even if it doesn't work for 90% of the game. Um, and they just, they recruit really solidly everywhere. Um, so I thought it was just a grown up version of what, of what CU is and that bodes poorly. Um, and that was my expectation of the game was a, a flip of the UNC Thirty-five-seven. We just flush it and move on to Minnesota and hope we win that one. That was what I was thinking. So, the start of this game, CU mm. actually controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Nate Lamon flew around making a bunch of tackles. Jarek Broussard had a lot of burst, mm. and even Brendan Lewis he broke off a couple big runs. And within a few minutes, CU forced Texas A&M into two or three three and outs and then they got on the board with a Jarek Broussard touchdown. That was our 7-0 lead. Well you're missing a you're missing a drive in there. I'm missing a drive, yes. Okay. I, think I didn't see this, it. This, to well, be the stupidest interception I've ever seen occurred. Okay, I didn't see it. Yeah. I was well, I was stuck on the fucking Oregon Ohio State game. Oh that's right, because you aren't local. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's the dumbest thing ever. Free rusher off his uh, his right side, coming at him. No one picked him up. Brandon Lewis throws, gets knocked in the arm, and the ball just literally falls. The, the defensive lineman disengages for A&M, and it just falls into his arms right as he disengages with the blocker. And it's like, if you could have drop an interception that is at no way the QB's fault, that would be the interception you drop. Just got hit uh... right on the place he couldn't really see, peripheral vision, and it goes right into a defensive lineman's arms. Luckily, I think AM missed the field goal, and that was the yeah. end because, like you said, yeah. uh, in that first quarter at least, the defense was un 
believable, unbelievable. Um, and that was before I want to point this out too. Yes, Haynes King was injured and didn't come back in this game. The, the quarterback, starting quarterback for Texas A&M, he was not doing much either. I don't. I, I want to say that as well. He was not moving the ball. They had zero first downs with Haynes King's in the game. Haynes King in the game, um, and his 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 backup definitely did worse than that. But he was also not doing much. Yeah, yeah. I want to give CU's defense so much credit before I say oh. this about. Okay, before oh, I wanted I'm, to yeah. say, like I said, I was angry car ride. I developed all these thoughts. I'm gonna go hard. <laughs> so you, you, you get your stuff out. Okay, so Zach Calzada being in a quarterback battle for the starting job in the preseason. My f- impressions on the first half was that that's him being in a quarterback battle speaks more volume of Haynes King than it does <laughs> anything else. <laughs> it was like this dude is not good. <laughs> so None not of his good. Throws are accurate at all. And obviously that ended up not being the case in the fourth quarter when maybe he settled down, maybe his receivers started making crazy catches, <laughs> but um, no, early in the game, he looked really bad. And I mean, I don't really know what exactly CU was doing other than just beating them up and uh, really controlling the middle of the field. CU, I mean, CU can always be beat on the perimeter. I feel like, and AM wasn't attacking them. I don't that, agree with that. But, Okay, I don't agree with that. I think I think the cornerbacks this game, and especially for just still, still trying to stick to the first half. I mean, Kai Blackman yeah. had an amazing one-on-one pass breakup. Um, pretty no, early I'm talking on about like, game. oh, you like saying running passes. to the edges, like, like quick, swing passes, athletes out in space stuff, like Michigan just absolutely destroying with 2016 buffs like that with Jake like, Butt, just a little tight end mesh route. Yes, um, yeah. I think we saw that bear fruit in this game, especially near the end of the first half. Um, but yeah, yes, I, I see use. Well, this is going to go into an overall game thought, but you know, yeah, see you just doesn't have the athletes that can match up one-on-one with these athletes. So when you play a team that has these athletes, like Jalen, we I'm saying his name wrong, but Wiedermeyer, um, and, uh, like demand DeMoss and a cane, you know, all these insane, speedy, gigantic dudes, that, and you put them one-on-one with, in 2016, the Rick Gamboas of the world. Like, yeah, Jake Butt on Rick Gamboa <laughs> is not going to work. You can maybe blend Rick Gamboa, but that's just not – he can't do it. Like, this, it's just something that cannot physically occur is Rick Gamboa covering Jake Butt. And, and you see that not, come out. And not to get too ahead because obviously this is way ahead, but like Guy Thomas being matched up on Isaiah right. Spiller on a third and right. nine. Like, I that's... mean, good for Guy for trying. It just doesn't – that's not something that can happen. Um, but yeah. to your point, in the first half, I think what we saw go right with the defense, and really the, the whole game, is Chris Wilson is in many ways the anti-Summers, um, which is part of why he was hired. It, this was in his best <laughs> defenses in Mississippi State. Um, it was the same thing. He just lines four dudes up at the front. It's a pretty simple 4-3 looking defense with maybe a little wrinkles. And he just says, everyone do their one thing they have to do this, this play. Just do your one thing you have to do this play, and we won't lose. And that's exactly what happened. It, it, so many times you just saw guys moving faster because they only had one job to do. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes it look, it makes it look easy on the defense. I mean, and the other thing I want to talk about overall and, but in the first half we showed this, I didn't know if it was a mirage that Nate Lamon eight months after the killer's injury looks pretty good against UNC. Um, it's not that dude, I don't understand where he gets the speed. I don't understand how he is what he's doing right now. I don't get it. It seems I mean, impossible. That, w- that was all the preseason buzz was that he didn't look like he had, 
suffered an injury. Like he yeah, just looked but, like same old Nate Landman. And you expect your dudes to say that about your captain. You expect that. I don't maybe. expect that to actually I don't, look like that. Maybe. It was great. But yeah. Oh God. He's just nuts. Um, so yeah, in the first half, and I also want to mention real quick before I go really, really negative, at least for me, really negative. Um, the first few drives scripted, I thought were beautiful. Um on offense. I thought the the way that they used Brendan Lewis in the running game really, really worked. Um, bringing in Rice and Stanley on the jet sweep option style plays was really fun to watch. Um, and and a quick shout out to a the first play of the game being a 15-yard pass to the tight end. I would like to see more than the first play of the game be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So chronologically, we are at a 7-0 lead in the, at the end of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. After CU had, touchdown. yes, and then CU, I think pretty quickly, like they just kept forcing three and out after three and out. Um, they got deep into field goal range after another long run, and Cole Becker misses the field goal, forty-six yarder. Um, yeah, that's tough, especially because he hit like a fifty-four yarder off the upright. He looks really good though for missing these field goals. <laughs> he's zero two, and I'm sitting in the right same now. thing, just like. He's 0-2, but these are, like, hard for 18-year-old college kickers. And I don't know. Like, both of them, he's going to – I don't know. I, I hate to be, like, that. he's going to be a good kicker because the whole point of a kicker is you no, never he looks have, like, like going to be, but he's going to be a good kicker. Yeah, no, these are hard at tubs, and he's he's getting close. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, hitting the upright on – you should get a point for hitting the upright. I um, mean, if it hits it at a different angle of the football, it bounces in, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was kickoff. last week. Oh, it's kickoff. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> okay. Talking about our freshman kicker who's 0 for 2. Um, yep. This says one drive, and then so, we force another yes, three and out. Just one drive, force another three and out. Um, I think somewhere in there, Nate Landman dropped uh, another interception or could have had one. Um, and then they get they start driving, and they get to third and one. Did you see the QB sneak? What? Did you think Brennan yeah, I, I, yes. got the first down? So I watched these yes. plays. It was a terrible spot. I don't know if he got the first down. Um, I okay. So how do I how do I explain this? There's a few. I want I do want to talk about this moment in the game because I think it's something that I disagree with a lot of CU fans on. Um, but so if I were calling plays and I got the spot that I thought Brendan Lewis got on third and one, I would also call QB sneak on fourth and one because I think he was right there. Like I think it was like mm. you know either a few inches or something, you get the QB sneak, you do that again, game over. Um, Even I think it was with a like, spot. like 1,200 pounds of Texas A&M linemen <laughs> on the field? Um, so I guess, yeah, let me just, yeah. So I, I guess I'll expand now. Um, I really like Carl Durrell said after the game, and I totally agree with what he said after the game about this moment. I don't know if you saw his presser at all. Um, no, I didn't. He, ba- he said... Someone asked him about this if they wish they had the points at the end of the game. And he said, no, we're going to go for this every single time. Every Good. single time. If we're if it's Good. on the six-yard line or whatever they're on, we are going to go for it on fourth and one. Absolutely. There's, there is no debate. When I was calling plays, I might not have called what – he said this, I think. He said, I would have called those plays. I'm not calling plays now, but I would have called those plays too. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm glad that they did – they took that time. I know people at the end of the game were like, I wish you had the points right now, which of course, but I would much rather be the team that says, yes, on fourth and short, we're going to get it. Um, and I've said this for years. Yeah. 
if you can't get one yard on two tries, then you don't deserve the points. If you can't do that, then you don't deserve the points. Um, And I think the main reason that you're going to talk about too, that we didn't deserve the points is because of the play calling on that. And specifically those two plays on that down distance. Don't do the same thing two times in a row. Well, I was going to say too, like, like there for people who are making the argument that you should kick the field goal because like hindsight, it would have been 10 to 10. Um, you don't like when points are at that much of a premium, you have to go for as many as you can in that situation. Like if you knew CU wasn't going to get into the inside the 30 yard line again, yep. you would go for the touchdown every time. I, it's I just, yeah. I was like making jokes during the game. Like CU does have a 240 pound running back on the team. I don't know if I would. You yes, yeah. third and one fullback dive. Why not do that for the first play and then QB sneak on fourth and one? I don't get the QB yeah. sneak on third down. Frankly, I don't get that. And okay. and also like why not do you your your speed option has been working all game. Why not do the same thing? Have two runners out on the edges. I guess you don't want to go lateral on third and one, but even just a QB mm-hmm. power or a just something that's not a direct snap sneak would be a way to do that. And then I think what you tell your quarterback is if you don't get it on third and short, line up real quick, sneak on fourth and one. Do a real quick lineup so that way they can't get set, they can't substitute, yeah. and go. But you know, I mean, that's I, what that's ahead. what Tom Brady would do, like that type of thing. Like, and he's yeah. amazing at QB sneaks. But um, so yeah, I think going for so yes, yeah, so they missed out on points there. Immediately got the ball back, and then they started moving and moving. And do you remember what happens there with the um, – they get to uh, fourth and three on the Texas A&M 43-yard line? And then they punt. Yeah. And they punt, and it goes – it's a touchback. The most move of all time. Yep. Yeah, touchback on a fourth and three punt from the 43. Oh, my God. So you save 23 yards of field position, and Texas A&M gains 30 yards on the next two plays. So immediately a race. I am not a fan of that, and I want – like that's a classic you have to go for it especially if you're if the defense is playing like they are you want to it's not that big of a deal to trust them yes i, I mean yeah so especially i mean yeah this we're i i am going to touch the overarching themes of a longer rant i'm probably going to have later in this podcast but yeah you're the underdog you have to give yourself as many chances to score touchdowns as possible you have to do that you could play the field position game Obviously, it does not work if you're trying to do a short punch and punt and it you touch back. And that's going to be a possibility when you punt from the other team's side of the field. That's going to happen. So, like, don't do it. You're an underdog. Give your give like go for broke. You can do that in these types of games. No one's gonna fault you if you're 17 points down on the number five team in the country and you're like, yeah, we're gonna chuck it on fourth and three. No one's gonna be like, I can't believe it. I guess people will, but like, who cares? Do it. You mm-hmm. give yourself chances to win. You can't give yourself chances to not lose. You have to give yourself chances to win. And that was a great example of that, the difference in mentality of trying to not lose and trying to win. When you're winning 7-0, you don't really – that's not a very large margin for error if you're trying to, to punt the game away and hope that you hang on. And trust your defense. They held I, – I looked this up. They, have, they held Texas A&M to 22 total yards before that last two-minute drill drive. Mm-hmm. 22 total yards. The number five team in the country was held to 22 yards before that last drive they had in the first half. You don't, you can trust them. You have to trust them in that situation. 
give your opportunity, give yourself an offensive opportunity to put points on the board. Yep. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So, Whatever. yeah. So A and M did they hit a field goal on this drive and cut it to ten to three at halftime. Seven. Third three. quarter was garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven three. Um. You, so you said you didn't watch any second half highlights. Um. No, I've seen I've seen highlights. Okay, you didn't watch the full thing. Okay, no. I don't really think you missed anything. You like see you picked up what like two first downs in the whole second half. Maybe not even that. So, yeah, let me go through what, what I know based off of the recap, based off of people texting me, all this crazy stuff. Um, it sounds like Lewis got banged up for, like, a play or two at some point in the second half. It sounds like Broussard was injured for some or most of the second half. Yeah, well, no, he only – he took a weird hit on, like, a bubble screen. Yeah. Where he, like, went – or I think he did catch it. And a Texas A&M defender had been sprinting just dove full into his legs and he got shaken up on that and then missed the rest of that drive, which was like two plays and then came back out. <laughs> okay. Well, he's not hurt. He came out after the game and said he's not hurt. So that's good. Yeah. Um, Dimitri Stanley did pick up a knock though. Um, so see you. Yes. Him. And uh, Oh, who was Nico Reed is the punt returner, freshman punt returner. Yeah. And it's dead, which is good to see. I thought he looked good against UNC at, at DB as well, but um, yeah. And there was, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, the second half seemed to be a, I don't know, a war of attrition. I don't even know if that's the right word, but wh- whichever team is going no. to bend break first on D, because um, neither offense is really working. And then it is what I was seeing, at least. Um, and I, I'll let you talk about the offense more because you saw what it actually looked like in the second half. I have some thoughts from afar. Um and then finally, the dam broke, and AM's athletes won out um, at the very end. Yeah, no, I think with the offensive system, I mean, there was absolutely no rhythm, no success on first downs. And do you know those, like, I don't know how to describe this, but you know how other teams seem to just make easy passes for the quarterback? Like Oregon State just throwing little yes, five yards. What you're talking about, <laughs> Isaiah Hodgins. It feels like such a foreign idea because I don't think that in the past five years CU has ever had any easy throws over the middle. Like nothing's easy. All all of Brendan Lewis's throws were like eight yard hitch routes to the corner, and they were like I don't know why this is the thing, and I want to blame a certain coach and I want you to talk me out of blaming him. I'm not going to, you're not going to blame Shiv. No. But. Well, no, I am going to blame Shiv. I'm not going to talk you out of blaming him. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Can you I, back up my thinking? Yeah. So this was, this is what I thought of. This is what I stewed on while I was stuck in traffic. This is my stuck in traffic rant. I should have just put out a voice memo and we could take a 10 minute break. Um, <laughs> I think what you just said is totally correct. Um, Here's my we, – we've seen Shiv call plays – what? He called plays in 2018. He called plays mm-hmm. in 2020. He called plays in 2021. I believe those are his only years where he was a play caller, right? Um, I think. And <laughs> in all of those years, I, there's such a similar pattern. It really it, – I have to put it on him because he's the constant. It seems like CU comes out with a really good script. I feel like the, the first – drives of the game on each of those years come look pretty good 
Last year, that was definitely true. UCLA, we just blasted them down, up and down the field. Same with Stanford. I think we look good at the start of games. And same with this game. I thought the play calling was really fun. I thought, to your point, there's a few plays on that first few drives. Like the first play, Brady Russell find the open spot in the zone. Easy, quick, bing, bing. Like, you know, seven-yard gain. Easy read for Brendan Lewis to make. Get him in rhythm. I was like, wow, who thought of this? Crazy, a rhythm pass. You know, simple things. And then the second that CU has to go off script, everything gets so much harder for everyone on the field. It, I don't understand. I don't understand what he's going for at all. I don't get what the offense is trying to be what the second CU goes off script. I think in 2018, it was easy. The offense was trying to be getting the ball to LaVisca, but that doesn't work when everyone knows you're doing that and they figure out what you're doing to do that. You know, I mean, like, that one worked. That one worked, but because it was LaVisca. It kind of worked, but if you well, remember, we lost seven straight got, games. <laughs> well, yeah, he. it worked until LaVisca got hurt. I, well, he got hurt because he was touching the ball 25 goddamn times a game. I know. And, I know. I'm just saying. In 2020, it, it was the same thing. Sam Neuer got I'm hurt. Not giving, he he I'm not giving Shiv anything. Okay. Like I'm not giving him any leeway with that. I'm saying it only worked at the beginning because it was LaVisca Chanel. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Ahead. So in 2020, it was the same thing. When Sam Neuer got hurt, he couldn't make difficult throws. The offense just couldn't move without Jarek Broussard being a superhuman. It just couldn't happen. Luckily, Jarek Broussard is a superhuman. But in 2021, it's the same. I, I just don't get what yesterday's plan was after the first few. I know you ha- kind of have to protect Brendan Lewis because you have no one behind him. I know that's true. You can't run him as much as you probably would have otherwise, and he's not a good downfield thrower. But I, if if I know that's true, and AM knows that's true, and CU's presuma, presumably CU's offensive staff knows, that true, knows that's true, then why doesn't it look like the playbook – is, is designed around that. Like it, it doesn't look like they know that Brendan Lewis can't get hurt and can't throw the ball that, that frequently downfield because they still design all these like super, it feels like the route trees are like slow to develop. It, it feels like they don't have quick throws in the playbook. It, it doesn't feel like it's designed around the personnel right now, which doesn't make sense because we've known this is the personnel for a long time. I don't get what was going on yesterday. And once again, I didn't watch all of the second half. So I didn't even get to see the more frustrating parts of this, but Mm -hmm. 43 yards in a 30 minutes of football does not work. It just doesn't work. And we can say a lot of things. Texas A&M is really good at defense and they're going to do similar things to a lot of good teams this year. And they, they get another great player back in McKinney Jackson next week, but it doesn't at the end of the day. Okay. There's a, a, a multiple coaches on staff getting paid multiple millions of dollars to get more than 43 yards of offense in 30 minutes. <laughs> that's how I look at this is that's his job. His their coach Shiverini's job as the offensive coordinator is to coordinate the offense to score points. Okay. He's getting paid taxpayer money. I am paying towards that. Well, not taxpayer money really, but you know, he's getting paid big money to do that, to, to do that thing. And yes, it's market rate. I get it. But do the thing, please. Like there are other people that could do more than that. Um, and if you can't do that, then please let's get someone who can. Like and, it, it is to that point for me. And let's let's be honest with like 
Shiv is on staff because he's a really good recruiter when he tries. That's why they kept him around. That's why they kept giving him promotions. Well, and he's he, look, he is a forever buff and he loves CU and that is good. Yeah. Um, but I cannot think of a more give up approach to college football than giving someone more leeway because they like your school. That cannot be the way you run a coaching staff. Hire me. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the positive thing is I think Carl Durrell is not afraid to make changes when they're necessary. That's happened. I mean, I think the, the work of Shannon Turley was evident yesterday, the new strength and conditioning coach. I think you <laughs> looks good. I like athletically. Big boys on yeah, the line. And, and I think the offensive coordinator hire paid off as well. I don't think Tyson Summers coaches that same game. I just don't think that happens. Um, so if, if changes need to be made, I, pretty good confidence right now that Darrell will do it. Um, I am just very, very frustrated yesterday about <laughs> just what the offense couldn't do. I, and I feel like it wasn't because and, and look, A&M's a good defense, but it wasn't just because A&M's a good defense. It's because CU made them look even better. I, like mm-hmm. you have Brendan Rice available unhealthy. He touched the ball how many times? Like what? Five times, four times, two catches, oh, two God. catches. No, no carries. No That's returns. not true. Oh, I guess he did have one of those quick. It was like a quick pitch in the first in the first half. So I guess that counts okay. as a catch. Um, and like, just you have weapons. There are weapons on this team. Brady mm-hmm. Russell is a good short yard side end. He caught the ball what one time, right? Three catches actually. Oh, good for him. Yeah. I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And look, Brendan Lewis, they were getting the quarterback and they were bringing people towards the quarterback. They were blitzing. Texas A&M was blitzing too. How many times realistically? They also batted down. They batted down like five passes. Right. And so I, I guess if you see that, how many times realistically do you see, do you, did you see CU run a nice little mesh play then to prevent uh, that? None. I, I right. So it's like, I, these are things I guess I'm thinking about. And it's like, I know I'm not a coach. I'm probably stupid. There, there are probably reasons for this not to happen. But at this point, mm-hmm. I don't understand what is like, what is the re- rebuttal from the coaching staff? They're saying like, no, that shouldn't happen because of something AM's doing. Instead, we're going to throw behind the sticks on third and eight every single time on purpose. Or like, Fourth and thirteen in the two minute drill in the last point of the game. We're gonna throw it seven yards because that makes sense. Like how? Make me tell me how that yeah. makes sense because I don't get it right now. I don't know. I also m- maybe it's kind of dumb because they probably would have stalled out anyway. But the one time, the one second half drive where they actually got going and they actually created a big play, see you got called for offensive pass interference on the softest call you can imagine, and that mm-hmm. really sucks. But um, I don't think you saw it, but Brendan Rice basically was running a slant in it. He was kind of just driving his guy back like it was a slant mm-hmm. in it. And it had nothing to do with the swing screen that was uh, that caused the yards. But they called it <sighs> offense. They, they called it a pick, even though it wasn't even close to anything. So this is yeah, this is my overall recap of the game is I think it's easy for us as people i do the same thing to look at inflection points like the fourth and one getting stuffed like the missed field goal um as as games that would plays that would have won us the game and i think there's a few plays you can point to to be like yeah see you would have won the game if that play went differently i nate landman also had nate landman also had a pick six interceptions yep yeah so but once again i overall i'm saying i don't care about any of that who cares screw screw all of that 
The reason CU lost this game is because they gained 43 yards of offense in an entire half of football. That is why CU lost this football game. I will not take any arguments to the contrary. It doesn't Did you matter. Also see, Go ahead. Did you also see the, the Calzada's fumble at the goal line? Yes, I did see that one. That Great was play. lucky as hell. Like, lucky, lucky as, as hell. hell. Also good play from Quinn Perry. <laughs> Look, defense did way more than the job. Did way more than yeah. the job. I'm not going to get mad at Nate Lehman dropping a pick. Who cares? Mm-hmm. They, he did so yeah. much to let CU win today. I The reason CU lost is because they could not string together a drive. And that is not one single play. That's not a fourth and one stuff. Who cares about the fourth and one stuff if you have a single one scoring drive in the second half? Mm-hmm. One drive past midfield in the second half. Who gives a shit? If they if you lose a fourth and one in the first half, you want them to go for that because you say later, well, now we're in their end zone and we can do their stuff. Like, just move the ball once. AM is good, mm-hmm. but you can be better than just zero drives past midfield. You can be better than that. I believe in that. I believe in this team more than that. And it's all on Shiverini, the fact that that did not happen. That is even if even if AM ends up having the best defense in the country, you should be able to move just a, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I, it's just, um, I, oh God. Yeah, that's my rant. I'm done. The Texas A&M's touchdown at the end seemed inevitable. Um, I, I can't like get we mad all at knew, defense. I cannot get mad yeah, at defense we all, that. We all knew it would happen, especially once Texas A&M's receivers, like, like Isaiah Spiller himself, they were making some crazy catches. Like Calzada, he has barely escapes presser for, for a 12-yard run to keep the driver alive. He makes a really bad throw and Isaiah Spiller dives and catches a pass while getting hit. Like those are just crazy plays. And then of course the wheel route that Spiller, Mm -hmm. he guy Thomas gets stuck on Spiller and has no chance really. It's a really nice throw. I love Spiller too. I I love that running back. I'm not really sure how that happens. Like, I don't know why third and nine, that's the personnel to have guy Thomas on Mm -hmm. the running back. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to blame the defense either. But it did, it did feel like that score was going to happen. Yeah, I think that's inevitable buff shit. You know, I think every CU fan knew that was coming. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like, yeah, like you said, on all these really weird third and longs, third and sevens, they just made the the one play they needed to make to keep the drive alive. A and M did. Um, but that's why you recruit, right? It's for dudes like Spiller to make crazy plays, for dudes like Demond DeMoss to get on the field. For yeah, You want those guys to, to bail you out, you know? Um, I wish that you could recruit like that. I wish we could get people like those people. And, why, I mean, and the, their tight end, Wiedemeyer, however you want to say that, is unbelievable. Like, he is so – he is my dream for an offense. He's so big and so fast. Ugh. That's going to be Caleb Fourier in two years. Just watch. I mean, yeah, I don't think Colorado will ever be able to recruit on that level because, again, it is like a huge – it is the SEC's one school in Texas for now. Well, not but. that level, but look, so you recruited at a top yeah. one level before in the in the country. That won't ever happen again. But you could be Wait, a when top When did they 20- have the number one class? Well, before rankings really mattered, but yes, know, in the in when when McCartney's recruiting operation was at its highest, yes, especially like go ahead, Charles Johnson recruiting club. Uh, the class of '91 is one that's really, really, really good. Cordell Stewart was like the best gotcha. prospect in the country. You know, Rashawn Salon comes in from San Diego. Yeah, you, Michael Westbrook. Yeah, there were some dudes that 
where everyone wanted mm-hmm. that CU got. Okay. Gotcha. That will never happen again. I agree. That'll never happen again. But you can get to a top 20 level if you have a team that emphasizes recruiting. All of this doesn't matter for this game. Who cares? We can talk about this in the offseason. That showed out for AM on that last drive. Um, it was very frustrating to see the defense almost be there after being there all game. And also Lang, I heard, got hurt twice, um, which didn't yeah. help. Um, but He was good, though. And I heard Naeem Rodman really stepped up. I, mm. I saw him a lot in the first half, too. I mean, the defense, you can't you can't be mad at. Ten points to A&M is something that you're like, yes, that's totally let's – say, let's say it in a better way. Three points in 57 minutes to A&M is something that you are completely happy with. That is something that you are ecstatic about. Um, yep. Jarek Broussard also looks really good. He always does. God, I love that he guy. He always does. He's, um, yeah. The last thing I want to say about this game, if you haven't, I would – watch Carl Durrell's presser. I've never seen him that animated before, at least in the media. Um, I don't know. And his last are few you, minutes were really fun to listen are to. Are you talking to me or the listener? Because I'm not going to watch press conference. Okay, then don't. But <laughs> the listener could. I think it's on YouTube somewhere. It was basically the last two minutes were fun. He basically just said it was a rant he had after the someone asked about the fourth and one and does he wish he took the points. And he said, no, we're going to be aggressive. And then it kind of just bled into another rant of just like, you know, we have no reason to, to hang our heads today. I, I'm really proud of how the defense fought, and I, there's no excuse for us losing. There's no, there's no excuse. I can't say we should have, you know, we thank God we were almost as good. There's no excuse, and we need to be better than that. I'm, I'm pissed, but I also think this team is better than everyone else thinks they are, which I thought was a good balance of strike. I, I like, I like Carl Durrell. I hope he succeeds. Um, are we, do we have any less? We can learn from this other than this offense really needs to be better. And other than this defense is legit. <laughs> well, I think those are the two. I, yeah. I think that's the two. Um, moving forward, if CU finds some sort of rhythm, how can can they exceed expectations with the defense playing like this? Oh, or does yeah. the defense or does the defense have to play like this just to get to six wins? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, that's a really good question. I think that is like the season's question. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I don't think the offensive problems are just because a and is really good up front and has amazing athletes. I, I think you will still see massive offensive problems when CU is playing teams that don't have those athletes. Um, but I also think you will see games when CU can just ride the outside zone with Derek Broussard and – dumb plays ride that offense and the defense enough to get wins this year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I said to my friend after the game, it'll be the most CU thing of all time um, to lose to, uh, to lose to Minnesota. Now it'll, it'll it, that would be the most CU thing ever to have like a really good week where you're like, man, we would have beaten a lot of teams in the country yesterday with that defense. And then just have it immediately blown up the next week because you, you just play like terrible against Minnesota. That's just going to be something that happens now. So that's a home game, right? Home game at 11 a.m. Uh, and I, I also game. heard great things about the student section again this week. I heard they yeah. blew up. So I hope they come up at 11 a.m. on Saturday. I'm not expecting that because I was a student once. Um, but that would be awesome. 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Uh, I'll be able to watch it. That's exciting. Um, so Minnesota, I don't want to preview the game, but Minnesota, they, 
looked pretty solid against Ohio State yep. until Muhammad Ibrahim is out for the year with the Towards injury. Achilles. Yep. Achilles? Oh, shit. That sucks. He's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, and their offense looked pretty bad this past week. And defense. Uh, Giving up 26 points in to Miami and Ohio is not cool. That is not Thanks for saving that... me. I forgot. I forgot who they played, so thanks. Go Redhawks, baby. <laughs> Coaching Cradle. Nick Saban's alma mater. The the first CU game I ever saw them win was against Miami, Ohio. 42 nothing. I think CU had lost the first like 16 games I had attended. That's funny. I think that was the first uh, sporting event I ever attended was when they visited CSU with Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. Oh, weird. Huh. Um, so I think at this point, I think we should expect a CU win if they play anywhere close to that level of defense. Um, but we can save that for later. Um, we are going to bring on a guest. I'm just kind of stalling. Should we just pause it? Well, um, no, this would be a good time, I think, for some around the league. I watched a lot of the Pac-12 games when I finally got home last night. Um. So I think we could talk a bit about that. I saw Oregon's game. Oh, great! Yeah, and that—I mean—that was the like the thing that saved the Pac-12 yesterday. Um, <laughs> if you care yeah. about such things, I certainly don't. But I—I <laughs> I always make fun of the back the back the pack things because I don't like any team in the Pac-12 except for Oregon State. And so I'm always happy when everybody loses. I think it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care either, like, I, but I was getting a little bit... It's always annoying to have the national perception be like, nah, 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 nah. the Pac-12 is the worst conference. Nah, nah, nah. And, that's you not know. true because the ACC, but... Um, uh, yeah, Oof, Florida State. Oof. <laughs> Did you see the play? Oh, that I saw horrendous. the play. It was That's horrendous. It looked like the defense just thought he would fall down or something. No, it looked like the defense was like, "Oh man, we lost." They, <laughs> yeah, they were already, they were already like, "Oh, I can't believe no one's gonna tackle that guy," as I'm right next to him. <laughs> oh man, uh, um, but that's not around the league. I, I yes. give me some, give me some um, prompts. I watched a little bit of Washington. I watched Sanford USC. I watched Utah BYU, and I watched a tiny bit of Arizona State UNLV. Did, um, did Sam Neuer get benched at Oregon State? He did last week, and Chance Nolan is a starter. He's actually Shit. not bad. Chance Nolan can move the ball. No, um, I know. No, Oregon they, State's they... defense is terrible. Yeah. Um. Hmm, what else? What else we got? Well, I mean, Utah lost, which is cool. Um, I like to see that. Yeah, and USC looked so bad against a terrible Stanford team. Terrible Stanford team. Can you tell me what happened? I didn't see that game. Yeah, USC cannot move the ball. They have Drake London, and they can't give it to him. And it's very sad to watch. Um, I, I don't know what's going on up front, but Stanford won the line of scrimmage with some pretty bad defensive line play um they have no dynamic ability on offense it looks like it it appears at least might have been a bad week for them i don't know but they were at home there's no excuse uh clay held should (laughs) be fired like yesterday that is not okay for usc to look like that um he won't be though and i you know it, it was encouraging at least for for my thoughts of maybe this is the year that CU gets a win. I don't know. Um they look bad. 
Yeah, uh, Washington also looks absolutely terrible. Stanford looks pretty bad. Oh, Washington looks bad. Probably the worst offense in, in the conference. CU's com- campaigning for that job, but Washington takes it. <laughs> yeah, well, CU has Jared Broussard. Washington does not. Um, do we – so it looks like it's going to be Oregon in the north. Everybody else sucks. Terrible. The north Terrible. is awful. Cal we lost a stupid game against TCU. They really should have won that game. The cheese at bowl rematch. Um, so USC was supposed to be the favorite in the Pac-12 South. I was so high on them. You still think Arizona State is going to just have a, some kind of fallout with NCAA stuff? Well, and I don't know um, if you watched it. I mean, they were, it was 14-10 ASU deep into the first half. So I don't think they were like – And let me preface this. UNLV is not good. Like, they are very, very not good. I think UNC mm-hmm. might beat UNLV at this point. Um, so that's not good for ASU either, but they, they pull it together. And then does that does that leave UCLA as the, the top contender in the Pac-12 South? I would definitely say they're the, the best. They're the team to beat right now, for sure. Hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, all in all, an encouraging day for CU for the rest of the year. This is another special week. Um, right after a, a tough loss, we bring in our resident, I guess I'm going to quote him and call a, a quote old head, our Big 12 expert who's seen plenty of ANMCU matchups going all the way back to when they joined the conference. Um, John Woods, editor-in-chief, owner or founder, whatever, of Ralphie Report, and uh, um, Oklahoma fan, so new SEC superhead. Welcome. Hello, gentlemen. That was uh, that was a quite the day of college football with a what looked like to be to be a relatively light slate. We got a pretty fun day. Yeah, definitely started super well. Um, I, I guess the first prompt I want to talk to you about is what do you, what'd you see in your new conference foe, Texas A&M, if you watch that game? Well, I mean, you could you could see with the struggles that the Colorado offense had. You could see the talent that they had on both lines, um, but especially mm-hmm. the defensive line. It was very, very hard for the Buffaloes to get the, the ground game going. And obviously, we had the, the drive where things started to click, where uh, Lewis was using his feet. Mm-hmm. Broussard was able to get some, uh, some chunks on the ground. But outside of that, that drive, there wasn't a whole lot to be had. Um, I think Oof. you saw the, uh, the size and the talent that A&M has – on the defensive line, really rear its head on the, the back-to-back quarterback sneak on uh, third and one, fourth and one <laughs> plays where... John, what would you have called? We talked about not, this earlier, but... Not that. Um, I, think doing it <laughs> once is, I think doing it once is fine, but going for it twice there, when you do have, whether they were able, whether they performed up to their capabilities or not yesterday mm-hmm. uh, or Saturday... When you've got that much skill talent, let's let's not get too tricky, but let's do something to uh, not drive right up the middle um, and, and try and still go for it, though. I still go for it. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with the yeah. flow of that game where you where you saw that it was going to be rare to even have an opportunity to get points. You, you got to take that call, especially with the defense. The, yeah. the defense knows when you show confidence uh, in them by going for those plays. They also know when you punt it. That you're, that you're saying, we don't trust our defense. When you can yep. show the confidence in your defense in a game like that, it keeps them rolling. I, rolling. I don't think going for it was the wrong call at all. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah. exactly what we said. You're, we're in complete agreement. And it, it, Brady Russell actually had a post-game quote pretty much saying exactly what you said, where they said, he said, you know, it's not okay that the offense, me included, left the defense hanging out to dry so many times. It's not okay that I did that, which was like, oh, my God, Brady, I can't love you anymore. But that's exactly what <laughs> happened is so many times the offense just, like, completely screwed over this defense that tried so hard. Um, the other thing I keep thinking about, and I don't want to turn this into a season preview thing, is I was so shocked at how well the defensive line looked, um, worked against the offensive line of AM, which isn't the best offensive line they've ever had, but it's good. Um, we get Mustafa Johnson back, a, a story semi broken by the Ralph report, not really, but kind of. Um, they he gets he comes back in conference play, that's going to be insane, that's going to be disgusting for, for, for the rest of the year. And I've, I've saw, seen some comments where I don't think anyone's really, truly complaining about the defense, but I've seen comments where people said, but, but why was the tight end so wide open? Um, and why were they able to get those drives late? It's they, the Buffaloes won't face skill talent, especially at the running back position or tight end position. Yeah. Or tight end position in the pac 12. Like they just did the, the, the A&M backs with a cane and spiller that those are immensely talented guys that Colorado essentially bottled up. I mean, that is, and you can't, you, you can't commit resources everywhere. So there was always going to be with, with Colorado looking to stop those guys, there's always going to be something mm-hmm. open. And the fact that they were able to limit that as much as they did. And the fact that they didn't have to sell out to stop the running backs and didn't have to sell out in a way that let A&M adjust and, and march on the field. I, I can't say enough with how, about how impressive that defensive performance was. We're going to have a lot of low-scoring games, it looks like, this year. But, man, if, <laughs> if, that, if, yeah, if you can add Mustafa and you can keep that performance up and keep guys healthy, it's going to be a, a really fun to watch this defense I grow. I mean, special teams look good, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the, go ahead. Coverage, For, was, Quinn, coverage was dynamite. One thing I want Quinn to mention, Perry too. Falling out. Quinn Perry, that's right. Um, yeah. One thing I want to mention, here's a guess. Here's a fun game for the, for the podcast. Do you guess, do not look, who A&M's leading receiver was? Weidemeyer. Weidemeyer. John? That's where, that's where I was going to go, too, but I have four, a feeling that's not the answer. Let me guess. Four catches, 66 yards. No, it was Isaiah Spiller was, was A&M's that's leading That's not true. I'm literally okay. looking at the stats. Okay. Well, then, you know what? Carl lied to me. How about that? <laughs> I, I was not looking at the stats at the time, but I, I did get it right. Um, was it Weidemeyer with four catches for 66 yards? Yeah. Then, that's still really catches. good. That's still exactly what you want. Yeah. They, oh god, this defense. Oof. Well, I mean like the the their receiver lane, two catches 19 yards. Like he's really good. And CU's cornerbacks who are, were apparently a question mark showed out. These guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the other yeah, the other thing I want to mention is I, I oh god, Alabama is going to demolish the same. <laughs> Well, in two weeks, I think AM has rice this weekend, but in two weeks, um, it was going to be very interesting to see that Arkansas AM game all of a sudden. Arkansas oh, that's right. was was doing whatever they wanted to Texas. And oh, that was fun. To see if they Great could do segue, that John. A&M. <laughs> that was so, so fun. Can you guys tell me why Casey Thompson isn't starting? Um, Go ahead. It went back and forth. Um, Thompson played great in the bowl game, obviously. Hudson Cards, the, the, I mean, it's the perennial true freshman with more talent. Um, the guy that, that could be more 
once I, once he uh, red, red shirt freshman i can't i don't know if i said true but um the guy that could grow into more he's got some of the prototypical talent um that you expect um from an arm strength perspective and sark went that direction um maybe he maybe he kind of harkened back to some of the um choices they made from at the quarterback position at alabama and, and forgot how much skill talent that was around those quarterbacks um but card <laughs> Not only did Card look lost, but he he does have a great arm and he can make some great throws. But it wasn't happening Saturday. There were some throws he made that were just just awful, oh, and it's hard oh. to know. Thompson certainly sparked the offense. It's hard to know how much also, of that was. The, Thompson the looks quite talented. Thompson looks good. He looks like a really talented guy. Like, granted, he's really <laughs> mobile. I've only seen him in backup play against CU and now also against Arkansas. But yeah, he yeah. he looks good. Yeah, I just I don't it doesn't make sense to me. But so yeah, Texas looking great. Not back. SEC start. Not back. Not back. Um, yeah, I and I, I God, I love Bijan Robinson, but he's just getting wasted on that team, which is very sad. And I I, mean, I love when Arkansas is good. I think Sam Pittman is also just so fun. I love that they just punch people in the mouth and it's working. That's kind of what I want to see you to do. That'd be great. Well, it's really interesting to think about the, and I hate to say this, but you know, I, I certainly hope for the best, but sometimes in the back of your mind, you kind of say, okay, well, the Buffaloes are playing A&M and they have this much talent. And, and you may say, yeah, we have a, a chance at, at winning, but you in the back of your mind may think, okay, this could get ugly. What Arkansas did to Texas is what I was incredibly fearful A&M would do to right. Colorado. Yeah, exactly right. The ability to dominate the lines of scrimmage with just superior athletes in size and to not even really need to throw the ball just by, by yeah. running the ball um, well. And it's what it, it happened to Texas, a team that should have those athletes and didn't happen at all to Colorado with a defense that just had guys making plays all over the place. Oh God. Yeah. I, I mean, Texas has way more talent than every other team in the country. Well, not every other team, but a lot of teams, including presumably Arkansas on paper, um, didn't didn't matter yesterday. God, that was fun to watch. You know, it's um it's the Ari Wasserman. I I think it's who it is on the athletic does uh, or someone who does those those overall talent rankings where they look at the current players yeah. on on campus. And Arkansas is amazingly high. They're like twenty five. Um, really, <laughs> in the country as far as recruiting and and the the overall talent index of guys that they have on the team, uh, it is pretty amazing how even what those kind of at least recent history, bottom level SEC teams outside of like Vandy, it's pretty amazing at the level of talent that they have on their team from a recruit standpoint. I mean, their Arkansas is 40 to 50 spots higher than Colorado. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good. What about Vandy? Uh, <laughs> not a talented team. <laughs> so going to get our low blows in while we can. Underdog oh, wins yeah. again. Go Vandy. <laughs> John, so how do you sad. feel about how do you feel about Oklahoma beating somebody so bad they had to do a running clock? <laughs> that was one of those uh that was one of those things where Oklahoma played poorly last uh last weekend, although all of a sudden Tulane they they beat uh they beat a, a team just about as bad as um as Oklahoma did. So maybe they're gonna about to have a pretty good season, but Oklahoma oh, was going to come out with a with a fury against whoever they were playing, and it just so happened to be poor, 
poor Western Carolina. Um, they were they were overmatched by quite a bit, but then you have Oklahoma pretty angry, and it didn't really uh, add up to a whole lot of success. Yeah, they <laughs> the fourth quarter they uh, they moved it to a twelve minute twelve minute running uh, clock. Nothing. My mom, yeah, my my mom was in town, and I, I before the game I said the final score doesn't really follow football. I said, the final score of this game is going to be something like 60 to nothing. And she said, well, that's, that's just sad. You shouldn't do that to a team. I said, well, <laughs> there's not much else you could do. They, the, this backups were in, uh, the backups came in for the entire second half. And then you shorten the, you shorten the game clock to a running a uh, 12 minute clock. And that's what happens. Do you, do you feel like Oklahoma got the wake up game out of the way early? Uh, you know, that's what a lot of Oklahoma fans are wondering. I, I think that, there's still going to be probably one hiccup but the fact that they were able to play as poorly as they did obviously it's it's a little worrying that they had a that they blew a big second half uh or halftime lead like they did but if that was one of their big uh, slip-ups that they seem to have every couple years under Lincoln and they still got the W it's big especially when you look at the Big 12 conference and see that it was outside of a few games here and there a pretty awful weekend yeah, is anyone oh, even oh, good boy. in the Big Twelve? Because I always I mean, think got, that they're ass. BYU, BYU's pretty good in the Big Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I, Iowa State got uh, they got they got up. rolled. Um, Oklahoma State looked very uh, very poor again and squeaking one out against Tulsa. Kansas State squeaked one out and lost their quarterback. Skyler Thompson. Um, I feel still very bad for him. I mean, how, really the the only how my favorite player Deuce Vaughn do. I think he did pretty well, but he was I the whole offense. <laughs> yeah, he was okay, like the only reason they won. Um, okay. I mean, really, the only thing that looks good. challenging is TCU. As Zach Evans had like 180 yards against Cal. The game was close, but they came back from a two or three touchdown deficit to win. And Cal sucks, so we don't really know much. Uh, yeah, that one. That, <laughs> no, that was a coaching failure at Cal. We're talking about CU maybe making different coaching decisions to win. I don't necessarily agree with like the, you know, should have taken the points or whatever. We talked about that, but Cal's coaching decisions lost the game. Like, I don't know what their plan is on offense. I don't get it. I don't understand why they tried to solve the clock so much as I don't know. I don't know. Weird things. Justin Wilcox does over there. They should be so much better than they are. And their defense is really good until they aren't. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. South's wide open. South is wide open. If you watch any of those games yesterday. A lot of it's, teams uh, that you could beat. It's going to be real. This this Minnesota game is going to be uh, very intriguing. You know that you know that Colorado left a lot uh, on the field on on Saturday, yeah. and that has to be a pretty heartbreaking, pretty heartbreaking loss. And they have to turn around and have what is. I mean, it's it's a must win against a Minnesota team that uh, unfortunately lost its its superstar, but still has a, t- a lot of talent at running back. Uh, that that Colorado defense is going to be asked to uh to step it up again very very quickly and the offense has to produce that uh, they won't be going against a uh an A&M level line again but they will be going against a talented team and and, and they'll be in Boulder this time and it, it's a must win for this Buffalo's team if, if they have hopes of going to a bowl game okay I have two final questions number one is the A&M quarterback the worst quarterback C will face this year it can't be true. <laughs> Let me find the schedule. I, yeah, yeah, I, don't, I mean, he was pretty bad until the last drive. That I don't he think he's going to get that lucky. 
he was pretty bad, but I, but the, let's give some credit to the Colorado defense. And who is he, as, as bad as he was? That was he did make some. As much as I hate to say it, he made some pretty insane damn throws, gutsy yeah. plays. I mean, and some of those runs. There was the one where he would look dead to rights uh, in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. The and he broke out and got the first down. There was a couple runs that were that were he earned my respect as much as I think he still sucks. I, yeah, I, I don't know if there's another quarterback that will miss that many throws left. Tanner Morgan will not okay. miss that many throws on, for Minnesota. Go ahead. Who, Tanner Morgan is definitely is, a big step up. Who is Arizona's quarterback? They, Gunner Cruz, Gunner who Cruz. is not good. <laughs> okay. How about Washington? Yeah. Was, oh, yeah, Dylan Morris is the answer if he's still there by the time CU plays Washington. I doubt I he'll say, be the Will starter. he be starting at that point? I think they'll have a new OC and a new quarterback by that time. Yeah. Yeah. Heward. Uh, Did I say Horde? Heward. Yeah. He said Horde. (laughs) Sorry. Sam Heward. Yeah. Lefty. What was your last question? Um, The last question. Oh, boy. I had it in my head and now I (laughs) don't. Oh, that's right. Okay. Before the season, I said we won't know anything about this team until CU plays Minnesota. We just won't know what we have until this Minnesota game. Is that that's not true? true anymore. No. Okay. I, uh, yeah, right, John, I agree with ahead. Sam. I think we learned a hell of a lot against AM. Some good, okay. some bad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The bad showed up, but also it's harder. I don't know. At the end of the day, when you lose, it's harder to be like, yes, we're also really good on defense. But I have to keep telling myself, we held AM to three points for 57 minutes. That's like really, really, mm-hmm. really good. And yes, they had a back quarterback, but I don't know. If you hold the number five team in the country to three points in 57 minutes, it goes – It, you would think that you could also hold, for example, Oregon State to maybe 10 points in 30 minutes, which would be more than enough for you to win. You know, like yeah. that should translate. Defense travels. I have a question, I have a question for you guys. Sean okay. Clayton. What's that? Did he get any carries on Saturday? Three carries, eight yards. And Fontenot got the, like 10, right? Yeah. yeah. Fontenot mm-hmm. got a lot. Yeah, I more. the rotation – was a little – I felt like if they kept moving – I understand them wanting Broussard, Broussard running well and them wanting to uh, get him going, but I, I thought the rotation was kind of strange with the depth that they have there and not getting more guys with fresh legs to the ball when it, when nothing was really working. Yeah, I think that part of that was that, like, their drives just weren't very long. And, like, I don't think Ashad Clayton is going to be the first running back they pull on, like, they, they put out on any drives. And since they weren't getting any first downs, I think it just kind of ended. Yeah, so the, the, the carry breakdown was Jarek Broussard had 12 for 51, Fontenot had 12 for 39, Lewis had 9 for 76, and Clayton had 3 for 8. Um, uh, so, Lewis had 76 yards. And that's, yeah. I, I, did he take, how many sacks did he take? I don't remember. Uh, I don't recall any. So that's with sack. Okay, well then, never mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. So it, you want more Clayton, I think. He's just fun to watch, but. I do appreciate that yeah. Ted Chalfin tweeted Ashad Clayton with the let me in with Eric Andre getting yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Cause that's, yeah. yeah, that's my perception of Ashad too. Oh boy. I mean, you know what? Oh God. I'm just looking at these team offensive stats and this is, this was not a pretty game for either team. <laughs> hey, Daniel Arias, what a- career high, three catches. What? Sorry, John. Obviously, no, no. The, obviously, the offense was was struggling, and it makes sense. That was a, a great defense. But what do we really think of Lewis's performance? Talking about 
we're not going to know what we have with the Buffaloes. That may not be true, but do we know what we have in Lewis yet? He has a chance. He has not had a chance to show, at least passing wise, in my opinion, really what he's, he can do. He's, he's, I think he's not a good downfield passer. I don't think he can throw like 20 yard in routes or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't help that the scheme is also not letting him get rhythm throws. It doesn't appear that there is any like, yeah, do a five yard button hook tight end and let Lewis throw it. Like, we haven't really seen can he make the easy throws because where were the easy throws to be had in the second half? I, I There wasn't much. Yeah. Yeah. There were, earlier, he, made, he made some. Go ahead, Sam. You go ahead. He made some throws that, that I thought were pretty impressive. Um, and then he made some throws that, like we were talking about with Hudson Card, that you, you just don't want to see out of a D1 quarterback. I mean, it was, it was inconsistent. And I wonder how much of that is, how much of that was AM and how much of it it wasn't. I'm excited for him to have, a, yeah. have an opportunity against a, a weaker defense, although Northern Colorado would, would be that. And I don't know that we saw him we excel there either. There. No. I mean, he has, he's still slow through reads, I think. I think he holds on to the ball forever. Um, but honestly, the offensive line did a pretty good job keeping him clean, I thought, um, until I had to scramble. And, I mean, Chase Howell made a great point after the game. You, you'd like JT Shroud to be healthy, not necessarily because you put him in this game and see you win, so it might be true with the downfield passing. We don't know. But also because you don't have to be as conservative with running Brendan Lewis if you know you have a – a backup that you like, you know, like if you know that you have shroud right there, you can let Lewis run a bit more, which I think really helps this offense. It's a great point. Ugh. Injuries, injuries, man. But I guess we can't complain considering that they lost uh, Haynes in the what second drive. Yeah. But the nice tackle from guy Thomas, who just stopped him dead and, and pulled him back. Yes, it was. Um, okay, I think let's do – I'm fine with ending on stars of the game maybe. Do we, are we cool with that? Who's the one guy that stood out to you? Love it. Yeah, who's yours first? I... <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, I, I will not take the easy one. I'll say the star of the game in my mind was uh, Jalen Sami at the middle of the defensive line. I thought he did a great job. Um, That's the most Jack answer you that's Russell. Yes, that is other than Brady Russell, who does not have the opportunity to shine. Jalen Sammy, uh, yeah, he frequently just dominated the inside. Um, and his running mates, Lang and, and Rodman, did a good job. But you know, it all starts from the inside out. And if AM could get no interior runs going, which they couldn't, that's largely due to him. So great guy, great game, John. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and I'm just gonna say the whole linebacking unit because yeah it was mm. it was awesome um, and it was especially when once the running the A and M running backs the few times when they did get to the second level the way that they swarmed and and kept uh, kept those backs from getting any big runs yeah um, Gustav and Perry with coverage. the fumble at the goal line yep. Gustav and Perry forced was, the fumble it was an amazing performance and we knew the linebackers were were going to be good but again that. The, the the talent the skill talent at AM to see him bottled up like that was was just incredibly impressive. Yeah, the easy answer is Nate Landman. I was gonna go with Quinn Perry because just like he's making great plays on defense and he's the special mm. teams ace. And because like like the punt coverage, like that was a huge part of why CU was doing so well, honestly. No Even one's gonna Jeff mention no one's gonna mention Christian Gonzalez and Mackay Blackman. Those dudes were insane too. Those that was they were, they were good. Yeah, I just, you asked for one star. 
Okay. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And you asked for one star, and I gave you like five. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. And you wanted specifically two of them. Okay. Well, you could have picked either or. I don't know, man. I'm so happy that Blackman's doing this. He he might play his way into the draft pick, and Gonzalez is going to be a draft pick. That guy is insane for a true sophomore. Woof. Yeah, he can. Uh, he can. Uh, we, lost what else we, got? we lost you there for a second, Sam. He can what? That's okay. He can I, I like get the up on the basketball court. <laughs> no, he, he can. <laughs> okay, well, Sam's internet connection is uh, very European. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that was good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he can do it all is what Sam's trying to say. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, overall, it's hard to be that discouraged, especially for me because I was removed from the offensive ineptitude. I think when I do watch the sec- the full second half offensive play calling, I will get progressively angrier. Um, but for now, I'm going to leave that be. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to watch. Um, okay. Well, as Sam's struggling, I'm going to take us out. So – uh, I think we're done here on the Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, Editor-in-Chief. John? Absolutely. I'm excited. Uh, I'm a lot more excited about this season than I was, and I was already pretty excited, but I, I, can't, wait to, uh, I can't wait to watch this, this offense hopefully improve and come into its oh, own God. a little bit. Um, but more, much more importantly, so I'm excited to watch this Buffalo's defense uh, to take it from here and, and really potentially be the – the class of the Pac-12 along with side Oregon uh, from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, definitely in the South. Wide open conference play is going to start in a few weeks. Minnesota's next week, though, at 11 a.m. as somehow a Pac-12 network game, even though the, the slate isn't that good next week. I don't understand how that worked. Um, but CU Minnesota, Pac-12 network, 11 a.m. Ralphie should run that time, which is good to see her back again. Um. I don't know. That'll be the true test. We'll see what this team has. Have to win that game. Can you go? No. Sam, I'm going to give up on you, and we're going to stop the recording. (laughs) Goodbye.